Welcome back to another episode of Balagan. In the past couple of years, there was great tension between the Israeli government and Israelis with many of our brothers in the U.S. A lot was shed over the Kotel Compromise and the Conversion Law, along with the close relationship between Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and American President Donald Trump that has brought tension to new heights. But under the carpet, tremendous efforts are being made in Israel to strengthen the bond. Along with my guest today, we will discuss where do us Israelis stand in our relationship with our American brothers and sisters, what we did wrong and what is being done today from the Israeli side of the equation in order to narrow the growing gaps and make a shift in Israeli approach and policies in order to find a new path and to bring a new horizon to the Israel-American Jewelry relations. Shira Ruderman is a professional philanthropist and social activist. She serves as the executive director of the Ruderman Foundation, a private family foundation that invests in three primary areas of focus. One of them is strengthening the relationship between Israel and the American Jewish communities. So Shira, thank you very much for joining me today. And uh, what weakened the bond over the years? I mean, you've been involved in this discussion for many years now. Shed us some light. Thank you for having me. I think the conversation and the topic is extremely relevant and important these days. I think that we have to look for a moment and take a breather to understand what is this relationship? What is everyone talking about? Because we all use a lot of big words that sometimes are confusing to understand, as you said, before what weekend what is this relationship? So we view the relationship, I call it like as a marriage relationship, meaning that in a partnership, right, you have moments of highs and lows. You have moments that uh, you are confused. You're not quite sure where is it heading? What is the goal? Where are we going? And I think the one thing we all know, partnership has to be maintained all the time by both sides. It doesn't go one way. So if we look at the both sides, we have Israel and we have American Jewry. Israel is a state, is not a community. Okay. And as a country, we have politics involved and dynamics that in the Jewish communities and not one community, we are free from. Number two, American Jewry is not one organization, one community, one individual. We're talking about, and there's an argument on the data, how many Jews. So I will take the middle ground because there are three different data research. Okay. So let's say around 6.2 million Jews living in America. It's almost parallel number to Jews in Israel. So right. that for itself shows you a tremendous, tremendous change. These numbers were not the same over the years. Israel was the center and American Jewry was a smaller number. So now we're talking about equal number of mm-hmm. people. Why is it important to say that? Because once you change the balance in where is the majority, the conversation is shifting. The power is shifting. Number two We refer to Israel many times as another Jewish community. And that itself, I think, creates a problem because we are not a community. The dynamic 
the system is completely different. To the other side of the equation, you have the American Jewish community that also is extremely diverse and very, very dynamic in the sense that it changed over the years. The American Jewish community that the state of Israel was in conversation with before the establishment of the country and in the last 50 years of the organized Jewish community as a whole to today is not the same. We do not have the same structure. We do not have the same representation. We all hear day and night in the American Jewish community that most Jews are unaffiliated. They're not part of the system. How are we getting it? So now you have to think, okay, how do we work with that? And who is working with whom? The pillar of the relationship over the last 70 years used to be by a small group of people from the American Jewish community and from the state of Israel. And the discussion took place in closed doors, closed rooms. So we never knew what is it about, who makes the decision, what are the decisions, uh, what are we trying to address? The one thing we all know that before the establishment of the state of Israel, the organized Jewish community and the individuals all worked towards one goal, which is to establish a Jewish state. And everyone was so committed, whatever it took. Now I'm jumping with you. We're celebrating 72 years. And we ask ourselves, what are we working on together as a common goal? What's the common goal? Is the common goal to strengthen the state of Israel only? Is the common goal to take care of Jewish people around the world? Is the common goal to strengthen Jewish identity? And I'm not asking it just to make it sound like, oh, come on, seriously, don't we have a common goal? I have to say we do not have a common goal. Our goals today are different. American Jewry is very concentrated and rightfully many reasons and many occasions in domestic issues for their own Jewish community to strengthen education and identity because they experience a lot of changes. And the state of Israel is not concentrated all the time, if at all, and sometimes in Jews outside of Israel because they feel they have enough domestic issues to be occupied by. So we have to both look up and say, okay, let's define a goal. After we define a goal, we need to ask ourselves, where can we address this goal together? What is the platform? Who are the people? How's the conversation and the relationship being maintained? So it's not like, hey, there's a crisis right now. We need to fundraise for money. Or there's a crisis right now and there's anti-Semitism. So Israel has to stand up towards the American Jewish community. It has to be sustainable and continued conversation. Even in good days, we have to come and talk. And we have to get to know each other, which leads me to part of the reason we all experience in what we call weakening relationship, because we stop believing that we need to know. So our knowledge and our understanding and our ability to be familiar with each other, as much as we feel like we're all global today and you press a button and you know everything, okay, I have to say the knowledge is very minimal. So people know just the one thing they come across and that's it. So for us, all of us, everything that we don't know is either does not exist or it's foreign or it's not our obligation to feel either empathy or respect towards. And when you weaken your knowledge, you weaken your commitment, you weaken your identity, you weaken your willingness to be part of the conversation. 
And you also, you know, don't feel like it's your responsibility. So I think that the number one challenge we have is to create a common goal to understand the platforms and the ability to have diverse, open, transparent conversation and to base it on knowledge and getting to know each other and set the rules of what we call respect and mutual responsibility, which we losing for each other, not just as the Jewish people in general. Well, I think that you brought up a lot of important points here. And I actually want to focus, you know, you were talking about the common goal. And I think we can relate it also when we're looking at the state of Israel and how we define nationalism. I mean, for American Jews, for example, they're American Jews. They have their national identity and they have their religious slash cultural identity. For us Israelis, for example, you are Israeli, that's your nationality, but also in your ID, it says that your nationalism is actually Jewish. So it's very mixed, the Israeli and the Jewish in Israel. And for American Jews, it's completely different. So do you think that that's related also to the fact that we can't find common grounds at the moment? I think that, you know, it obviously sheds some light on the conversation, but I don't think it's the essence of not having a common goal. What you described right now is the true to many people, but it also was in the past. American jury always defined itself first as American. Right. Okay. But it does not necessarily in conflict with their commitment to their Jewish identity. I think in Israel, this conversation is a little bit more political conversation than identity conversation. It takes us back to understanding how definition is important, because having this challenge that you described is not the same in both places. And I think it's proven over the years that uh, Jews from the United States, no matter what on political spectrum they were or religious spectrum they were, they were very committed to the state of Israel. In any given uh, time, I think that what changed right now, it's not just the identity and the commitment. It's also our ability to understand that belonging requires some choices. You cannot be part of everything all the time. There are prices to make choices, number one, and there are prices to use certain vocabulary. For many Israeli elected officials, Many times it's so easy to use, I think, you know, some insulting definition towards American jury. And it's not being done necessarily because I think they bad people or they mean the wrong things. They're just not aware what does it mean when they use it and what is the price that uh, we pay as a country for insulting or making people feel unwelcome or not included in the process. So I think that definitions are important, but important to understand and not to make them necessarily the essence of the conversation. You can be Israeli and feel strong about your Jewish identity or feel very not connected to your Jewish identity. And you can be an American that feels strongly connected to your Jewish identity or not. In the same time, the question is, if we all agree that our Jewish identity is our common ground, meaning that Jews are connected to each other and whatever Jews uh, go through in one part of the world impact 
all of us. And whatever happens in the state of Israel, if we agree with that or not, impact all of us. So we have to understand how we're coming together in issues that bring us together and respect some of the differences that we're always going to have between us. But with that, you also need to bridge the divides. I mean, in Israel, we have one definition of who's a Jew, and that's a big question. I mean, in Israel, it was always a big question, especially with the Aliyah. And here in America, for example, the community is more diverse. And for example, I mentioned it earlier, but the law of conversion and the Kotel compromise are issues that brings a lot of tension because to some extent, for American Jewry, it's how to understand Israeli politics and why decisions are being made the way they are. And on the Israeli side, by the way, I will say from the other end, Israelis sometimes have some expectations from American Jewry that they see in quite a narrow way. I mean, if we'll go to American presidents, okay, and the foreign policy, and what's going on between Israel and the U.S., then it's easy to understand from Israeli eyes why many Israelis didn't like President Obama and why they liked uh, President Trump. But on the other hand, they don't seem to understand the criticism that American Jewry had over President Trump and why they were offended, you know, in 2015, for example, when Prime Minister Netanyahu came and spoke in, in Capitol Hill in front of the Congress, in front of the House. Mm -hmm. How do we set expectations from both ends and bring it to a level where we can communicate easier? It's important to separate some things. Okay, let me offer to all of us in this conversation and the listeners, try to imagine a triangle in front of you. The triangle has three parts. Okay, you have Israel, America, and Jews. And it's not always... One, okay, and most times it's not in conflict. Most times, meaning the relationship between Israel to the U.S. will continue regardless some of the differences and challenges that the state of Israel has with American Jewry. But American Jewry is crucial in the relationship between the U.S. to America, Okay, so it's for some of us going to say, okay, how can you separate that? The separation is the issues. The separation is the processes. Two governments speaking to each other, it's a defense issue. It's about uh, politics, about borders, about uh, support, financial support. It's extremely important and should be strong regardless any differences that we all have within our Jewish peoplehood, with our Jewish faith, with our Jewish communities. This should be something that none of us is compromising on or challenging. Then you have another part of the triangle that is referring to Jews in general. Our faith, our identity, our definition, I'm part of the Orthodox, I'm part of the Haredi, I'm a reformer. It's like a whole diverse conversation that is important to have. But this is our Jewish people. This is like beyond any of us. You know, we're coming to this with a long, long history of thousands of years. Even if one of us say, I don't want to be part of it, okay, it's a personal choice, but you cannot disconnect it from the whole journey that we have with each other. 
And then you have Israel as a state that has two definitions. One definition is that Israel is a homeland of all Jews around the world. Right. Now we need to ask, what does it mean? What does it mean? Other than the fact that any Jew in any given time can make Aliyah, what does it mean to be the homeland of the Jewish people? How does it play in reality? What's the responsibility we have for each other? How inviting as a country support, but also opinions? Do we want to have opinion? How it's going to be done? On what issues? When I said the issues are the Jewish issues. The second role that the state of Israel has is a state of all of its citizens. And this is something that is not open to any of us, I said, that do not live in Israel. Like where you live makes a difference to how you look at things, right? But the Jewish issues, am I going to be welcome? Is the country going to recognize me? Do I have a role, a say, is a very complex issue. And the examples that you gave, I think, are the most complex examples. So my offer to the foundation's work and in the conversations we have with elected officials and with Jewish organizations and with donors, we say, if you choose to start from the hardcore of the problem, which is who is a Jew, we will never be able to overcome the differences between us. We first have to, and I'm not running away from dealing from it. I'm just saying we cannot solve it first. This is not the first thing we can solve. If someone's going to come to you and say, with the Palestinians conflict, the first issue we need to solve is the division of Jerusalem. We both know, okay, we were probably not going to make a lot of process here. But if you say, okay, let's see, first of all, what are the things we can agree on? Where we can work together? How can we work together? Let's, Let's gain trust. Let's get closer. Let's have a common goal. Then we can address the bigger issues. Having me saying that, I do think that you gave an example, and I think that I said that at the beginning, that this is probably one of the issues we're facing. Of course, you're going to see more diversity here because it's a free choice. It's individual choice. No one is going to come to you and say, I care what you decided or how you got married or how you eat in your house or what you're doing, how you're doing. No one cares because you are a free individual here. Israel is in a different place. A, I would say, I truly believe Israel is extremely diverse. We're just choosing not to see it. Extremely diverse. I grew up as a religious girl in a mixed household 40 something years ago. And this is the diversity that I knew from the day I was born. I never saw a lack of diversity. I saw, I think, a lack of acknowledgement, appreciation. We sort of dismissed certain opinions or certain identities to decide because we chose to say this is not what we want. The state of Israel has a very challenging goal to remain to be a Jewish state with a wish to be a majority of the Jewish people. And once you make decisions that can impact that, I think it's very complex. And who is a Jew in this conversation can impact the state of Israel. And I think the state, I'm not saying Shira or organization, is not comfortable and not ready to face this challenge. And therefore, I always say we cannot hit it from that angle of the challenge. 
Okay, we have to understand and have a conversation with American Jewry to maybe clarify that the choices that they make in their own communities outside of Israel are respected and welcomed and acknowledged by the state, first of all, and then to ask yourself, how can it be translated in Israel? Can it be? Does it have a room? But we're not even there. I mean, we're having, as I said to you earlier, decisions that we make as a country and elected officials that are representing the country, not even acknowledging a big part of this American Jewish community. So how can you even start finding solutions within the state of Israel? So it's like a big gap that has to be in place and we need to organize some of the goals and the conversation around what are we working on together versus what are we fighting on together and how can it be solved in a way that will serve both sides, but with big understanding that the state of Israel is not equal to any Jewish community. Actually, what you brought, you know, it brings me to think that eventually it's a discussion that even the founding fathers of Zionism were debating because Herzl was a practical Zionist who spoke about a physical place where we can bring all Jews to live in, that will be this nation state. While Echad Ha'am said, we will never be able to bring all Jews, you know, from the diaspora to the land of Israel. So we need to make sure that they will feel, I would say, home away from home, even if they live abroad. So I want to take you to the next thing, which is, what are you involved with, you know, and what light can you shed on the efforts being made in order to make Israel a home away from home for American Jewry? This is true what you're saying. It is um, true philosophy in the essence of our values. But there are many pragmatic things that can be done. Many. And I will concentrate on some things that the foundation chose to do. We first of all recognized about 10 years ago that the conversation about the relationship between Israel and American Jewry is taking place mainly in America among those that connected to the organized Jewish community. This was the first realization. And we said, it's unbelievable. No one speaks about it in Israel. No one other than those that made what I call the educational missions like Wexner or others, but that's it. It's a small group. And we said, okay, so our focus should be Israel, meaning the conversation should take place in Israel, in Hebrew for Israelis and not just to shine the light on America and America jewelry. So we flipped the conversation. So this is for itself was, I have to say, very interesting action because most people said, you are in the wrong way. And we're like, no, 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 we made it on purpose because <laughs> A, we need to target Israelis to know if you want Americans to be connected to Israelis, they need to come across this conversation in the news, in the textbooks, in the TV, uh, in campaigns, in programs, in training. So we started, like everything I'm telling you were like a strategy that we developed. And we said, okay, first of all, knowledge to the public. The public is the, the audience. Number two, we need to work with certain group of people that have influence on these issues. So we brought missions of official elected uh, members of Knesset Bravo. to the U.S. on a tour 
to study, not to speak in mega gala event. They're not talking. They're not in the center. We're going around and we're meeting with everyone. I have to tell you, this was fascinating because a lot of them said to us, and I'm talking about very senior people, like, you know, one of the stories we like to say, Avi Dichter, that was the head of the first mission that we brought, said to us, I came to the U.S., I think, 400 times in my different jobs, definitely as the head of the Shabbat, the head of this, the head of that. But I came to speak. Like I gave my talk, I left. I never needed to stop for a moment to understand who are these different Jews? What is the differences between them? What is it all these organizations? And, you know, we're saying like, oh, it's funny. But I want to tell you, the impact of it is tremendous because jump with me 10 years from when it started and look at the level of the engagement, the member of Knesset speaking about the importance of their relationship. We established a caucus within the Knesset to educate member of Knesset. So we bring experts. There is no agenda. There is no vote. There is no mystery. It's all transparent to educate them. They never met the head of the reform movement. He never was invited to speak in the Knesset, and it's the largest movement in the U.S. So we said, hey, kid, just come to get closer, to get to know him. You do not have to support So we did missions of members of Knesset. We opened the first academic uh, program at Haifa University to say, you know, America is the ally of the United States. And yet there is one program studying America and no program studying American Jewry, which is 350 years old. And the first community that stands by Israel form its establishment. So we said, okay, we need to open a program. There is a master degree. Today there is a PhD program. We need to write white papers in Hebrew because everything on this issue was in English. Everything, every book, every report, every everything is in English. We said, okay, we need to create something in Hebrew for the Israeli audience. One of the, I think, greatest papers were recently before the elections here in the U.S. We wrote a white paper commissioned by us with Professor Gil Troy, that is an expert on politics. And we did, what is the power of the Jewish vote in these elections? What's the role of the Jewish vote? Why, if we are less than 2%, it is so important to understand that from the 2%, 95% of American Jewry plays active role in voting, meaning we are voting, which is the largest percent among minorities. So This is why it's so crucial to understand what is the Jewish vote role in this politics here. So we did a lot of different programs with diverse organizations in Israel to educate um, different sectors and populations from, you know, the Orthodox community to the more secular community organizations, the elected, which we have missions of journalists, because we understood that if we do not educate them how to view the complexity, but more so to respect the strategic asset of this relationship, they're not going to cover it. They're not going to relate to it because all they're willing to cover is the president and prime minister, which is important. But as we said here before, there is so much more to it. So if you jump to these elections, you can see that it's being covered by many journalists in many different ways. 
how COVID impact the Jewish community in one hand, how the elections impacting the relationship and the Jewish community, the dynamic. This is partially due to the fact that I think there is now open ears and understanding that we need to speak, touch, experience this relationship in a lot of different ways. And I'm happy to say that I think the state of Israel in the last 10 years did tremendous amount of progress when it comes to American Jewry, to the point that you have a minister right now that um, is very much advocating for having a say to American Jewry doesn't mean a vote. It means a say. It's like to invite them to be heard, to take this into consideration. This is a big step. You have the state of Israel for the last five years supporting financially, supporting organizations and programs and initiatives in American Jewry which used to be the exact opposite. American Jewry was supporting Israel, giving money, still happens in tremendous amounts of money. But the fact that something changed here and suddenly Israel needs to stand to support the local communities, it's a big change in narrative. And we have to understand that relationship is a long-term investment that has to be looked at as a partnership. And in a partnership, sometimes you get what you want and sometimes you compromise, but you're there because you believe in what brought you to it from the first place, which is identity and values and common goal. And it's extremely important. Thank you for bringing it up. You actually brought something that made me think, just like you, I grew up in Israel. I moved here, you know, already with kids and My experience now, you know, after living in the States for more than 10 years, is that uh, in a way, Israelis are quite blindsided with American Jewry, and we don't know much about them. So you brought up the academic program, and I know a couple of your graduates and a couple of the staff, and I, I hear only great things about the program in the university in Haifa. And actually, one of your graduates also was a guest of my podcast, Kobe Barda. Who's now he is now a PhD candidate uh, in the program. But what would you say is the biggest blind side for Israelis when it comes to American Jewry? And how actually your work with the Ministry of Diaspora and other organizations is aiming to bring it uh, into the light? What's the biggest blind side for Israelis about American Jewry? I mean, what's the biggest thing we don't understand, I will say? And what are the efforts that are being done with the partnerships that you created in Israel with the Ministry of Diaspora? And I know that you're also working with the Jewish Agency, right? Because a lot of your master's degree are actually returning emissaries yeah. that are in a way becoming ambassadors to American Jewry in Israel. What's the biggest thing we're missing about American Jewry from your perspective? It's a good question. Uh, what are we missing? You know, I'm thinking about what you said. I think that we are missing the domestic changes that American Jewry is uh, going through. We are, as a country and institutions that are working with American Jewry for many, many years, sometimes see it as for granted or obvious, because we used to understand that Israel is in the center, meaning If you start a conversation with a Jew, it's like, of course, it's about Israel. And it should be. Israel is the center and it's the homeland of the Jewish people. But it's not what we all experience right now here. Israel is not in the center of the conversation. And it's not 
the reason how to vote. And it's not the first choice uh, to support when it comes to money. And I think we need to be aware of it because we did a survey not so long ago for the elections through in Israel. And we did here in the most Jews feel very committed to Israel. Right. And from all spectrum, like it doesn't matter if you identify yourself as a former or more than orthodox. Or in the same time, our commitment is not necessarily translated to what we call physical financial support. And it's not always translated to be cited, no matter what, with what Israel believes in, represent or made the choice politically to do. And this is a big change. And I don't think we understand how big of a change it is, because we think like, oh, no, no, we're going to find the person that thinks like this, and we're going to bring them along to be either the board member or the funder. And I'm like, you know, even if we are able to do that, it's not the majority. And we need to engage to the majority. We need to make people understand that Israel is a place for all Jews and is a proud reason for Jews to feel comfortable in the same time I always say, if you're not educating yourself, if you don't know the facts, if you don't understand the dynamics, both ways, if we in Israel do not understand here, why Trump was not liked by most American Jews, it doesn't matter if we are in favor or not. We need to understand what is the gap between us? What brought this? And everyone has the right and entitled to think and to vote whatever they want in both sides. All we need to concentrate in this conversation and beyond is how we're not losing each other because of our choices. How our choices do not become the reason that we're drifting from each other. It becomes of understanding that there are different dynamics in choices. And I think it's important because it dictates how we speak, how we act to each other. It dictates our understanding that we are depending on each other and we need each other. I don't think it will change, although, you know, American Jewry is the most successful minority probably in the world and all definitely among Jewish history. If you ask some of the experts in the Haifa University, it's beyond success. Like it's the best time of uh, any time we ever as Jews experience in the world. In the same time, we cannot disconnect ourselves, not from our identity and not from our connection to Israel. And I hope that we will never need or wish or choose to disconnect ourselves from that because we should be happy and proud. And I am extremely optimistic. I know everyone's talking about a crisis and a drift. I think we know hard times before in the Jewish world and we overcome these times. I think we're going to be able to do it this time too. And I also don't think we are so far apart as much as people make it sound like it. We choose to concentrate at the differences, so it makes many more waves than uh, the opposite. In the same time, we cannot ignore any of our differences, because if we don't address them today, they will grow to be much more. And I think we both sides have moral responsibility to overcome that, because we should not choose any other way of not standing for each other and believing in each other. Our time is almost up, but I would like to ask one more question, if you don't mind. We've met at the IAC, the Israeli-American Council, and the numbers speak about between 800,000 to more than a million Israelis 
and second generation Israelis living in the U.S. today. What's the part of those Israelis in connecting both Israel to American Jewry and American Jewry to Israel? What's our role in that and how we can bring a bigger voice into the game? Yeah, I think the role of the Israelis living in America. Yes, if they have a role. Absolutely. Of course they have a role. First of all, I think the Israeli Americans have a significant role to play in it in two ways. Number one, I think Israeli Americans should aim to be part of American Jewry and not to keep themselves separate or keep mm-hmm. ourselves separate. Yeah. We are living here. We made our choices. And as long as we're here, we should take an active role in our communities and not keep them separated in all times. It's okay for cultural events and uh, some what I call comfort feelings. Yes, you want people speaking your, I call it your language. And here in this case, it's not just the Hebrew language, it's the cultural language, right? That we all connect to each other. So in cultural event, I can understand that. But beyond it, we have to work together. I think Israelis have a lot to learn from the organized Jewish community and from the lay leadership in American Jewry. What does it mean to be part of a community? It means, by the way, to act, to pay your dues, to be a volunteer, to show up, to dedicate your time. And it's important because we all raise kids here and we need strong Jewish community. On the other aspect of it, we have probably the best understanding of both worlds. We lived in Israel. We speak Hebrew. We served in the army. We went to volunteer. Some of us had kids there, businesses there. We have a responsibility to strengthen the relationship between the two most important Jewish populations in the world, which is America and Israel. So we need to advocate in a positive way and translate, I call, some of the gaps by explaining and educating each other versus not being part of the conversation or choosing not to be heard because we have one country and we need to strengthen our bond. And I do think that Israeli Americans can play a significant role in strengthening this conversation and strengthening this bonding. But we have a challenge that we have to overcome our own feelings and guilt, which I'm not judging because I live in this conflict. I split my life between Israel and America. My husband is an American. I'm raising kids with dual identity. It's complex, but we should not let this complexity be in our way of our commitment and identity. And yes, I want to encourage every Israeli not to shine away from this active role and to choose to be part of the organized Jewish community or not organize the bridge between American Jewry to Israel. And we all can play a role. You're saying that you impacted one soul, you impacted a whole world for itself. So don't dismiss your contribution to it. And with this call for taking action for Israelis living in the U.S., we will finish for now because our time is running out. But I really want to thank you for joining me today and discussing this important topic. And I highly recommend to our audience to follow the Ruderman Foundation on Facebook and on their website. We will post the addresses, the links with the episode. And thank you, Shira, for being with us today. Thank you for having me and stay uh, healthy and safe. Same, same. 
Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and wanted to thank you for joining me. If you like my podcast, feel free to rank it and share it with others. I also invite you to subscribe to my podcast so you will get updates when a new episode is on the air. And last but not least, I invite you to check my website, Balagan, www.balagan.ltd, for more content about Israel's history and politics. Bye for now, and have a great day.